What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, here with my co-host, Shu and Raul. Obviously, a huge weekend. We're going to the Final Four. Uh, pretty stoked about that. K, another big K moment this weekend. Um, got his 13th, breaking the tie with John Wooden, so now he's just alone in first, which is just remarkable to make 13 Final Fours. Um, so we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about Texas Tech, talk about Arkansas, some themes that we saw across the week. As of re- recording this, the field is set, but we're not going to deep dive too much into the matchups. Um, obviously, it being Duke Carolina, we'll probably do a separate podcast on that to give it its time. But before we talk about the Texas Tech game, I'm thinking and I'm curious because Kay was asked in the press conference, um, he used the term teams crossing the bridge of, of winning the regional and they were asking him kind of where does this team stack up with the other 12? Obviously, he's not going to answer that. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, that could be a good question for us. Um, so, so I'll toss it out. And Ro, I'll go to you first. Where, where does it stack up for you? And I guess let's go ahead and take the five title teams off the board because that's not really fair. Um, so if we're looking at the other ones kind of, you know, from 86 up to now, where, where does this team kind of rank for you? I think immediately you'd have to sort of put 86 and 99 like way ahead just for how they performed all year. Uh, 99 had one loss before they lost in the final, and I believe 86 had two total losses before they lost in the final. I believe they finished with three losses, and those were just super dominant teams. But I do think it has a good case against uh, some of those other like late 80s, early 90s teams. Uh, some because some of those were uh, you know Duke fans might forget because we've gotten so many one seeds and that's where we typically made our deep runs, but some of those teams were uh, two seeds and three seeds, um, especially the 1990 team. You know they weren't really supposed to go that far. They were a three seed, kind of finished I think middle of the pack in the ACC. Now I'm I'm not going to say that they're as good as a team with you know Bobby Hurley and Christian Leitner, but you know it's a different era of basketball too, so you kind of have to compare it to the competition. And it's hard to not look at those teams as like <clears throat> 91 and 92, like Hurley and Waitner and that team, right? And look at it just as the team itself. It's kind of hard to separate those sometimes. Right, exactly. Because that's what we remember is we remember what those teams ended up as. But the reason they ended up that way is because they went through their struggles and they had these people mature over time. And we don't get to see that anymore. So, but I, yeah, I would say kind of, not 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 near the top, but not at the bottom either, for sure. Uh, what about you, Shu? Yeah, I'm, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, the 99 team was just incredibly dominant throughout the year. I think they had an average margin of victory, like 24 points in the ACC alone. It was like, I mean, we ran through the ACC that year. Um, again, that only loss early in the season, the uh, Great Alaskan shootout to Kenya Martin's Bearcats, and then kind of just reeled off the rest of the season um the 86 team as well super dominant i'm thinking maybe like you know that 94 team so you had grant running the the point forward kind of position you know bobby hurley had just graduated um this team reminds me kind of like that because apollo and grant kind of have that similar star power i guess for us I i feel like apollo is our grant um because he can do so much for us 
Um, so yeah, I would probably say the same thing, kind of middle of the pack, you know, not up there with 99 and, and 86, but you know, 88, 89, 90, 94, those were all like two seeds, three seeds. So somewhere in that, that range. A good comparison to 94. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that. Like, cause the guard play in 94 was also a little bit questionable outside of Grant, if you want to consider him a guard. And then Freshman. Menards kind of really stepped it up in the tournament. Like Jeff Capel had a huge yep. game in the Elite Eight. Yep. Now he was a freshman. And yeah, yep. so it was a kind of inexperienced. And then you have uh, Cherokee Parks kind of, he doesn't play like Mark, but you got the other dominant big man, right? So yeah, that's interesting. And they were both two seats. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. And it's funny because um, I hadn't thought about 94 much either. The team that I was thinking about, ironically, neither one of y'all mentioned, um, 04 is the, mm. is the team that I kind of like thought the and it's really weird because I think a lot of teams think of that and they're looking at like Duhan, JJ, Ewing, the guard play, which is but for me, I'm thinking of it in terms of like the Sheldon Mark dynamic things, just having that like elite rim protector. Um and Paulo is kind of like Ding as well. Can, yeah, yeah. That like hybrid four that can kind of get out and do anything. Roach is actually he's not Duhan, but he's turning into this like really great guard. Um so you know, it's not a kind of cut and dry comparison. That 04 team was like one of my favorite squads. I really thought we were going to get it done. Should have up eight, you know, three minutes left before we fouled out and our entire front line. But that's a different, that's a different podcast there. But <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, you know, somewhere middle of the pack. It's probably ironic that our two most, well, two of our three most dominant teams ever didn't actually get it done. 92, I guess, would probably take the cake as being our most dominant when we look at actually getting the job done, repeating. Um, then 86 and 99 on the back ends of that. You know, I think we're somewhere somewhere around the middle of the pack. Um, probably two weeks ago, obviously, we didn't even see this, you know, as a possibility really after that Carolina game. Um, so it's just been really cool to kind of soak this up for Kay's last run and just what that signifies. And obviously on the last pod, we talked a lot about our misfortunes out West and for this team to go out there and just play like that. Um, you know, I was a little optimistic cause I was kind of seeing that kind of Paulo to justice, you know, Paulo to the Bay justice to Houston kind of dynamic. Um, didn't play as well against Arkansas as he did against Texas tech, but he still showed out out there in the Bay. Um, well, let's, I guess we'll go in order here, or you got something? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, for me, after the last two Elite Eight ga games that we played, two, you know, just absolutely heartbreakers, um, the elation I felt, you know, last night after finally, you know, breaking through again uh, was just incredible because they started making a little bit of a, of a push there in the second. Well, God, I know we'll get into it, but that's kind of creeping in the back of your mind, you know, like the uh, – design year and the Wendell Carter, his, his feet were still set, but you know, that's, that's another pot as well. Yeah. To get so close and knock yeah. on it. So, and it's funny too, of obviously we were talking about the teams that did make it. Um, but of some of the ones that didn't to get there, you know, it's, it's hard, it's really hard to get here. And so I'm really just trying to enjoy it and to not let, you know, who's sitting on the other side of the bracket or, or waiting on us over there to distract us from that. Cause it's K's last, like what a run, you know, what a, I would have traded. And I said this at the time too, that UNC can beat us on senior night, that it would suck that Saturday, but I would trade it for the car. Right. And so, and now we get a chance to even avenge that. So 
you know, I'm pretty pumped about that. But, you know, before we jump into that, let's talk about Texas Tech. Um, historically good defense. We, we previewed them. We talked about how good they were, how, how they could switch out the no middle. Um, Adams was was in his bag and they started on a 10-2 run. And it kind of felt like it, it felt like that that we were just going to get knocked back and just kind of get bullied. I mean, um we haven't really seen us respond to that level of adversity. I don't think not with that level of defense that we're playing. You know, if you didn't listen to to last week's pod, it's basically the only defense that is comparable or better than them. The last decade was 2019 Texas Tech with Mark Adams as an assistant there. So it, first half, you know, to only come out of that only down four felt like a win. Um, and I know that's skipping a large part of the game. And I'll, I'll toss that out to you. We start 10-2 uh, in the hole, come into the half down, oh, out. what was going on for you in that moment? Feeling good or was it kind of, you know, out west yet again? Well, I mean, the, the start was probably one of the shakiest starts that I can remember, right? Like we had three air balls and a turnover in our four, first four possessions. I mean, we were rattled. Everybody was. And it was it was not looking like it was going to be a nice, fun night. Um, so I started the drinking pretty early with that one. Um, but a- as you mentioned, the 10-2 run, uh, Kay called a timeout um, with about 15 and a half. Sh- Could have waited on the under 16 TV timeout, but kind of felt, you know, we needed to to regroup. So he calls that timeout and we throw our own 10-2 run um, coming right back. So that was nice uh, to get kind of settled down. Um, and just one other thing that I wanted to mention in the middle middle of that, I don't know if you guys called it, Roach stole the ball, but, you know, he ran over the ref. And um, I don't know, it, you know, Kay, Kay did the block, <laughs> yeah, the that was block signal to him. So that was kind of like a in the midst of that, like all the pressure that's on you for him to still have that sense of humor. Um, I, I just, I, I like seeing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think he did a good job of kind of keeping his players loose and composed, you know, just his demeanor on the sideline throughout both these games. Um, you know, even when we started, you know, badly early, you know, of course he laid into them, but it, it wasn't like, you know, I think he did a good job of keeping their spirits up for sure. And then once we came back and kind of like, did we tie it up, uh, you know, pretty quickly. Right. Um, yeah. And then I, I started feeling like, okay, maybe we can weather this just that, I was just worried about going, if you go down 10 two and then you spend the rest of the game trying to catch back up and you can just never get over that hump. But the fact that we were able to get over that hump in just a couple minutes made me definitely feel better. And of course I was still nervous when we're down four at the half, but uh, we can get into talking about the second half in a second, but obviously that was a complete change. Well, b- before we get into the second half, I did want to mention, and I'm sure you guys called it. Um, we were down like 33-26, uh, I think was the score. Um, right before the end of the half, we were, we ran that elevator play. The same one we ran at the end of the half against Michigan State, where against Michigan State, Mark slipped the pat, the, the screen and got an easy dunk. Um, we ran this one this time, and Mark's man took off to to the or Apollo's man took off to the, to AJ at the three point line. When Mark slipped, his guy he got picked up, but then Paulo was wide open. Roach made the perfect read, gets it to him. Paulo's just staying in the lane for a wide open dunk, gets the foul, you know, makes the basket. So instead of going down seven, we're down four, which, like you guys said, I felt a lot a lot better about where we were at at that point um, going into the half just down four as opposed to seven, eight, nine, something like that. 
Yeah. And it started in, for me in the Michigan State game of like seeing what we were able to do, being down, playing behind um, to stay composed. And then like Raul said, I think that it was so huge that we answered that 10-2 run immediately with our own, right? And not just kind of like, even though we still went to the half down four and it was kind of back and forth to come back and tie it right then, I think sets that kind of psychological standpoint of like, okay, they're a good defense, but you know, we can, we can come back and put some points on these guys. Um, and then in the second half, it was probably the best offensive second half relative to who you're playing, the defense you're playing against that I can remember. Um, just in, incredible to shoot 70% in the second half. Um, and the cool thing was, is that it wasn't just like one guy doing it. Like every, there were multiple guys in that half to me that just had moments. Roach was just a dog, you know, especially late. Some of the, you know, K even said it, some of the best drives he's seen it do. But then some of the reads that Paolo was making, Mark just kind of MVP level on both ends, um, which was kind of weird because he had that moment where he he kind of started the second half and it was all Mark. I think he was like four for four in the first like five or six minutes. But there was a key point, and I'm sure y'all remember this, the nine-minute mark. Mark goes up, gets blocked. You see it, the camera pans to Kay and you see him call him soft, right? Kay's like, that was soft. Um, we come right back down. We get that stop. And like less than a minute and a half later, AJ kicks out for the three. But then Mark has the hammer dunk that might have been the hardest dunk I've seen in quite a while, like in that kind of moment. So that was, that was really cool. I mean, for me, the Arkansas game, like to get to the final four was like the moment, but this was the game, the Texas tech game that felt like, like a championship. I mean, it was just a game of runs, um, be playing that level of defense for it to still be 78, 73 and feel like, Hey, this is what basketball is. Like, this is what the sport looks like, especially compared to the, you know, some of the other games that we've seen this weekend that have kind of been duds. Um, just just super impressive. And I won't, don't want to take all of it, but, you know, for me, I think just that play of Roach and Mark in the second half just really kind of elevated it. I'm not sure, you know, what all y'all were seeing there. Shouts to Kay for, for going zone in that second half for, you know, throwing those guys off because I'm not sure that they really prepped and practiced. Um expecting to see that from us so it, you could tell it it took them a couple minutes they figured it out after a, a few possessions and then we kind of changed it up and did a little something different but we stuck with it for a good bit and it and it worked um but ag agreed you know roach was was magnificent paulo was making great reads and passes um as well uh, Raul, your thoughts yeah i wanted to highlight um paulo had two of the biggest three-point shots of the season there was one when we were down four that cut it to one. I can't remember the exact score there. And then the other huge one was we had kind of taken the lead, but then we went back down after they hit a three um, and it was 68 to 66. And then he comes right back down and hits a three to put us up 69 to 68. I think we didn't give up the lead again. And that might've been later, but there was a point where like we hit some big shot. It might've been that one. And then just, we never, we never trailed again. I think that was it. Yeah, I think yeah. that was the shot because it wasn't just a three, right? It was like yeah. sizing that dude up in his face pretty much and just drilled it. Um, and made I me think, think of after uh, that, Hurley made me think of Hurley in, uh, in, the, in the UNLV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. kudos to those guys. They hit a lot of, you know, we would go up 
two or three and or four, and then they would come down. And I mean, I don't know what it is about guys named Williams that we end up playing in the West region, but you know, we, we've played Derek Williams and we played Bryce and then we played Jalen Williams and just sick of these guys. But um, yeah, those guys hit, hit big shots. Um, every time we would try to kind of pull away, seemed like one of them would, would come back and hit a three. And then, uh, you know, finally we were able there at the end to, to pull away. Yeah, how did and how had did to get our last eight to do it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was insane. Uh, we didn't miss a shot for like seven minutes, right? Something mm-hmm. like that. Um, mm-hmm. But how did you guys feel? Because there was a point where we were kind of poised to go up five, and then was it AJ who missed the front end of one and one, and then they come down and immediately hit R- a three. Roach, Roach, it was Roach. Roach, yeah, was Roach. Roach hit, Roach got, got an and one and yeah. missed the free throw. Right. And then they come back down and drill the three. And then they cut it to three. And then what happened was AJ was going to the line then. And I was like, I don't trust AJ on the front end of one and one, but he nails both. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see him kind of have maybe his biggest moment of the tournament uh, yet at that point. I mean, we, we'll get into him a little bit more with the next game, but... Yeah, everybody. I mean, uh, Wendell had like you know made a bunch of free throws in a row down the stretch. I think he made four, four or four down the stretch, right? And Mm -hmm. kudos to him for that because as we were talking before we kind of press record, Wendell didn't have a really great first half. I mean, he was. That's what had me um, most worried about the game. Is I'm like, this is our captain, and he's really struggling with this physicality. Um, He just didn't really seem to be in it. so to to shake that off and to come back and really come up clutch was was huge for us. To be fair, and well, I hate this and kind of complaint, but he was uh, getting fouled a lot. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's you know that it's that style of defense where it's just like foul on every possession, and they can't call them all. I mean, I, I remember seeing that like two minutes into the game, um, and it ended up with a mark dunk, I believe, but uh, their defender was just draped all over. Uh, Dell and I thought you legitimately could have called three fouls on that possession. And then what ended up happening is he squeezed the ball out and it was almost a turnover. And then we got lucky and, you know, defense got scrambled and we got a dunk. But yeah, once he adjusted to that, though, he ended up with a really good line for the game. It was just that that start that was rough for him. Yeah. And it was just cool to, if we draw parallels and think back to – the, and I know we don't want to think back to it, but the the Duke Carolina game and Cameron, we talked about the moment at the end of the first half where it looked like Duke could really kind of put the game away, right? I think we were up nine or something, and it flipped, and it flipped because we missed back to back front ends. Yep. Right. And then yep. to go into this game and to be three of three on those front ends is like that and for aj too right to step in there wait and just be be nails at the line dell was obviously clutch um and we had a really nice sequence there at the end of the game bryson williams tried to take a like a running hook shot mark you know stuffs it back at him um we come down and score i believe and then they tried to set up and run a, a backdoor cut for roach but mark again with his long being active you know learning from that Miami game, not just, you know, standing there in front of his guy, but he got his hands up and deflected the pass. We got to steal and get another score and kind of seal the game with that. So, well, yeah, because one led to that, um, maybe the best play of the game and the, what Kay was talking about, Apollo playing outside of himself. And I think Grant or whoever, somebody was on the cast talking about it. Mark gets that block. We come down. 
Paolo drives right, but spins, spins. left. Yep. Um, yeah. And they're like, oh, like he never does that, right? He's always, if he's going right, he's just going up to finish. He's never spinning back. Um, and then we come back down. You mentioned Marcus, that other one. And I think that's when AJ hits the contested kind of three to just like, boom, you know, um, to put it on them. But that was. And wasn't the, wasn't the first Mark one that you're talking about, the block there, wasn't that right after the floor slap? That might have been right after the floor slap, yeah. Because it was no, really the nice. four, I think that was before. The floor slap is when they did that. They had that air ball. Oh, yeah, the yeah, corner. Yeah. It was a yeah, baseline yeah, jumper yeah, and yeah, air ball. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay, so either way, it was a great, and it ended up being a great defensive possession. Um, yeah, we got which, to stop. Yeah. <laughs> how many times in the last 10 years have we slapped the floor and then immediately given up a bucket? Well, I know. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I can't remember. I think it was in the first half. It, AJ had hit a three. One of those like step back, you know, um, threes at, to answer one of their threes. And so he coming down, he slaps the floor. He's right there in front of our bench. And I think it was McCullen was their guard. Their big guard went right by Dell and AJ supposed to come over and is like way late because he was slapping the floor <laughs> and gives up a layup. Yeah. I think you kind of got to do it as a whole team first yeah. down. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I just feel like it hasn't really had the same weight that it used to have. So it was nice to see it kind of actually end with an air ball there yeah well how about some of those plays jeremy made down like the the drive where he stopped pivoted around took kind of a fade away oh that was ridiculous um, that was like and, and yeah and then he comes down the next play and kind of kemba shakes he got the got the switch off and had williams guard him and just size him up you know crossover pull up uh, kid was ballsy down the stretch yeah that those were some huge. like Kyrie moves of like, like you did not, you do not see many guards at all do that. Like the, the pivot. And then he does this weird kind of one handed push shot almost with like a lot of spin on it. Yeah. He did the bat reverse spin right coming to it. Yeah. That was, he was tough as nails down the stretch. That's what we've lacked most of the year. I think we, we weren't sure we would be here because of the guard play and, but to see it kind of flip the way it has, um, yeah, kudos to Jeremy. He's he's kind of got us. He's kind of got us to where we're at right now. And just finishing at the rim, right? From to turn that like from a weakness to into such a strength because that's opened up everything else, right? It opens up that mid range game. Um, he just seems to make the right decision, which is weird because if you look at the box score, Jeremy had ten turnovers this weekend. Um, but I went back and I rewatched both games, and I don't know exactly where where all they count it, but I'm sure that there's at least three or four that are to me aren't i mean they're turnovers but like you know one's a charge one he got called for a double dribble in the lane like <laughs> yeah. get, the, yeah. get out of here with that and i think that one where like Paolo or aj or somebody's passing it to him and it hits him and then it ends up being a, a steal i think he got credited for that too um, well, he had one where dale was he was on the wing and dale was cutting to the paint and i yep. think he thought dale was going to relocate on the on the top of the key so he kind of overpassed it went out of bounds that was like we had like that was in the Texas Tech game where we were playing really good and scoring, but then we had like two or three possessions where we turned it over in a row. I think oh, Paolo, two at least. Paolo did that a couple times with AJ where yep. he thought AJ was going to cut in one direction and then AJ went the opposite way. So just yep. bad communication. It's like, who gets credited for that? You know, it really is up to the person, you know, the scorekeeper, right? And it's like, it's very sure. subjective. Like either that's AJ's fault or Paolo's, but who knows? Yeah. Just, just a huge game, just a huge win too, to, 
one for for being out west to get that first one kind of unlocked and i like always watch i watch the whole press conference i like seeing like what the other team kind of has to say um mark adams just a first class guy you know just seems really likable his players uh, i know they had that one guy that transferred immediately but the two up there that were talking seemed pretty genuine about how they felt about him and just what he was doing he was pretty masterful last night but again on the preview pod i mentioned that I kind of hope that their audible style defense where they constantly are kind of switching things up messes with them a little bit more than it does did us. I don't know if that was really the case, but we weren't phased by anything they were doing clearly. I mean, we were hitting some tough shots too, but to shoot 70% to score that much is you know more points than anybody had scored on them all year and a half. Um, you know, pretty, just pretty impressive. Rewatching it. It's, some of it was tough shots, but some of it, we just really de- dismantled their defense. I mean, they had some breakdowns that are just not typical of them. Well, remember, we we were worried about their, wasn't their, their block percentage was like 12%, you know, their yeah. possessions. And I don't, they might've had one or two. I don't remember the box score, but it wasn't many. And, and then we were also worried about Roach being able to get in and, you know, throw lobs to Mark. And we were able to do that you know, a couple of times where he got around into the paint and not a lob, but at least just dump one off. I think Gary Parrish said it. Uh, well, uh, our five stars played like five stars, you know, we have a huge talent advantage and it showed there like, yes, they had the age and experience, you know, and they have a great coach, but in the end we were just able to take them off the dribble over and over again and they couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, I think, and that's really, that's a great segue into Arkansas because I think that's the story of the weekend is we have so many guys that can drive the basketball that we can just put it on the floor. Roach has kind of really stepped up and been able to do that. They just couldn't guard us, which is impressive to play those two defenses that pride themselves on being kind of no middle, nothing at the paint, nothing at the rim. Um, And we just kind of got in there over and over and over and over. Um, Hopefully that continues because I think, you know, if we can continue to get our offense the way we're getting our offense, it's going to be hard to stop us. Um, we're not shooting a ton of threes. We, that's been a big strength for us, like three-point percentage here in the tournament. We've kind of just went, you know, went inside and feasted. Um, you know, Keel, that's a great thing for Keels too because that's where he can really kind of like operate and, and kind of get in there. AJ showed a lot of it against Arkansas. If we have five guys like that, that, you know, anybody can kind of like catch and it makes that motion really work, especially when we're moving off ball, which I thought we did a lot better job of uh, this weekend than we have in the past. But um, so let's, let's talk about the Arkansas game Uh, a little bit of revenge for 94. So for me, it was like really, really cool that Grant was calling the game. I kind of wished, I kind of wish Grant would have been a little more emotive, a little more kind of like Homerish, I think in that, environment you kind of have a little bit of permission i think considering that you played this team and they beat you for a national title you know whatever um you know he wasn't going out of his way to be like anti-duke or anything i just kind of wish that he would have like kind of fed into it a little bit more um but you know similar to the tt game they didn't knock us back in the same way but we kind of started the game kind of like a little just shaky um Fortunately, Arkansas wasn't really that great. They were they were pretty sloppy too, uh, for the most part. But again, a game of runs. And so, not to jump immediately to to the to halftime here, but I think that's the story of the game, right? Of like late in the first half, we go on that. What was it? Eight zero run, ten zero run. I think eight something like that, right? 
capped off by that Kiel's three. Um, and I guess we'll kind of stop there for a second. Obviously, Kiel's needed to see that go down probably in the biggest way um, for his kind of comment. It didn't really kind of translate too much into like volume, but he's probably played his best game of the tournament, maybe outside of like four and a half minutes against Michigan State and this Arkansas game. I guess, you know, thoughts on that just for Kiel's. Yeah, um, that was probably his second basket of the game, I'm guessing. I think he had like a drive earlier in the half. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had an efficient game. Yeah, not a lot of shots, but, you know, I'll kind of take that efficiency from him given where he was in the previous game. Um, yeah, so hopefully it unlocks something because if he could have a huge game against Carolina, uh, well, I, we're not supposed to look ahead yet, but, you know, that could that could be the X factor there for sure. But that 8-0 run, we've talked about it like, We've done that a ton this year. Just rattle off eight or ten points right at the end of the half, like in a minute and a half, two minutes. I think in this one it was a minute and a half, maybe. You know, it was just a three-pointer layup, just like so quick. Um, I can't even remember the sequence of things, but it was like, you know, went from being a small cushion to, oh, we're in control of this game. Or at least it looked like that, you know. And then, of course, they cut into it in the second half, but... You know, that was really where the game was won to me, those two runs. So, I mean, we could talk about that other one too, but. Yeah, I mean, it set us up to to have that cushion, right? And I think the run started on like, Mark had like three huge rebounds in that run. But I think the first one was um, Mark got the rebound and you said Keels had scored. Dale gets the ball and comes down and drops it off to Keels for that little layup. I almost thought they were going to call Dale for a charge there. I was like, God, they're going to take it away. They're going to call the charge. Um, I think that's the sequence that kind of like kickstarted it because it was like 33 to 35 or 37 or something at that point. Um, and it just boom went off. Yeah, that would make there. sense because what it was it 33 45 at the half, right? We we're up yeah. 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, we come out of the half and kind of get punched in the face a little bit and just kind of stumble right out of the gate. I mean, they really they really kind of knocked us out the first like seven minutes, I think of the game, whatever it was that I think it was the 13 minute mark or so it was 53 to 48, right. They had gotten it down to five. Um, we call the timeout. And that to me was the sequence that like just really propelled us because they cut it to five. I think we had been up like 12 or 13 or something at that point, come all the way back. Um, we call a timeout and immediately go on a 10 run and the sequence, I, I, I wrote it down just cause it was uh, also quick, but it started by Powell gets the layup. Um, Arkansas misses. And in this sequence, we got super lucky cause they had two layups that just go like all the way down and come out. Um, but then AJ drives, Mark gets another block. Powell gets a drives again. Um, and then we force that turnover. And then when Dell hits that, like pull up in the lane and just immediately goes, from like what was kind of trending towards, oh, you know, we're going to blow this thing um, into just sealing the game. And from there, we kind of just kind of cruised. We kind of were a little lazy at the end. Um, but, you know, I don't care about that. But, um, yeah, a game of runs, right, the whole weekend, just these runs. Uh, you know, it's it's really cool that we can go on those runs, but I kind of wish that it seems that we still haven't gotten to that point of like, not that you're going to sustain a run and make an 8-0 run, a 20-0 run, 
but it's the shots that we start to take once we hit that like eight to 10 point mark on our runs that it just like, we take ourselves out of the run. It seems like, you know, that's when the Paolo like pull up happens yeah. or yeah. like, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, I guess beggars can't be choosers, but, um, you know, whatever we, we took it. They weren't too classy about it. You know, talking about their press conferences, they were kind of <laughs> blaming the officials. I mean, <laughs> You know, to me, it's the officials are the only reason teams like Arkansas are even able to play in this kind of game, right? Like college basketball does a really good job, in my opinion, of making pretenders look like contenders just because they're allowed to foul you constantly and call it good defense. I mean, I've I've typically liked Muss. You know, I won't say I'm on the Muss bus, but (laughs) I I haven't hated the guy. Um, But after, you know, the the sour grapes, a little, you know, Passive aggressiveness, like, uh, well, I guess they, you know, their verticality was good or whatever he was, you know, kind of nonchalantly saying. If I, I remember him saying that, you know, all season long we've we've went to the free throw line and we've got fouls called. Like, if that's your game plan, is coming in the NCAA tournament hoping that literally the the most inconsistent thing, which is re- refereeing, is going to be your your game plan. That's just that's that's bad on you, bro. And I mean. Duke has done a great job of not fouling all year. This is kind of what you would expect. Um, Arkansas fouls a lot, and Duke doesn't. Um, you know, most of the fouls that we did get on us were uh, that center, if you can even call him that, <laughs> Jalen Williams, just flopping in the lane there. Um, you know, I don't know. Those were some pretty debatable calls to me, like where he just really slid in. Yeah. But, you know, that's a reputation thing, and he's known for drawing charges, right? And our guys need to know that better. Like we kind of telegraph those. You could see that coming a mile away. I was like, when more more is barreling down there in transition, I'm like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna pick up a charge. Same thing with Keels. Yeah. I think Keels went into one, and the announcer was like, "Got to be careful for the Susie said for the charge." <laughs> yeah. you know, he's barreling right through the guy. I'm like, yep. Yeah, I, we did adjust though. I thought kind of at towards the end, right? Of like you know, Dale with the jump stop, um, Roach with a few pull ups there. But yeah, it was. It's kind of it's so weird to see a center, and I guess he's really not like a traditional center. Um, you know, the one that got me the worst was uh, he had got a rebound and then kind of fumbled the the outlet pass, and we stole it. So we're on like a a three on one fast break, and and he draws a charge on Wendell. Like, <laughs> just okay. All right, I remember yeah. I just watched yeah. it too, and I was just like. Uh, now you can laugh about it in the time it's infuriating yeah, like, very. Oh, yeah. that that happens but yeah i mean of course because when he took on kills you know kills tried to sidestep him so he didn't take it like to me a charge you take it square in the chest it's not on your shoulder it's not on your hip you know so kills tried to sidestep it but you know it was a, a bit of a flop the guy just you know felt a little contact and went backwards but again it's it's a reputation thing you know <laughs> oh, and just the ultimate irony of like the only time I've seen us Euro step all season was Mark Williams in transition when we didn't need to Euro step. I mean, kudos, it worked, right? But didn't have to, probably just could have yammed on dude. Yeah. Um, but we could have used the Euro step from literally any of our guards the first half and we just didn't see it. Um, but you know, ever. But uh I mean, I do want to yeah. get since I just bashed him for, you know, the the so-called flopping, you know, you know, that's subjective, of course, but I do want to say that uh, Jalen Williams played. He impressed me on offense. Um, he was carving us up on that pick and roll for a little while there, where he was the roll man and just catching it and going right to the hoop. 
And then I think that might've been when we switched to zone to kind of contain that a little bit. And it actually worked really well, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was the main reason that they were kind of in this game at all. I thought. Yeah. Cause we did a pretty good job of kind of just frustrating. Note what he finished like five for 14 or yeah, something. He started like out that. hot, but then kind of cool. Cause yeah, he was like he hit his, for four, hit two his first three. two threes. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. then scored, you know, so. Um, yeah, where you guys kind of like, oh, this is it's this is one of these <laughs> games where the dude who shoots like thirty five percent all year suddenly is like hits seven threes or something. I was like, for a split second, I was at that point, and then I remembered. I was like, oh, wait a minute, like we've shown, like we're not going because when that happens to me, I'm always thinking that like, oh crap, here we go again. We're gonna like over adjust, right, and let everyone else get going. But we've shown this year that like we were. We're cool just saying, like, hey, if this is the shot we're willing to give up, we're just going to ride the percentage. You know, they were hitting some of those tough kind of like Kobe fallaway twos in the lane, but they missed a ton of them too. And so you just, you live with that to me. Um, I thought they ran pretty bad offense, really, for the most part. Outside of, they did do some good cutting off ball, like you were mentioned, but I thought their guard play was not that great. Um, but, you guys you know, remember Tony from Pitt when he played at Pitt? Didn't he? Put a game on us one time when he played for two, Pitt, didn't he? Twenty-seven yeah. and then twenty-two the other yeah, time. Okay, yeah, and, and I mean, they I won kind one of those surprised. games too. Yeah, kind of surprised. I think he only yep. had four points. And Chris Likes in this weekend, I didn't even really notice him on the floor a whole lot, right? Except for when he was like chucking shots and missing badly. That was about the only time that I. Well, I think we we seeked him out too on some of those. Oh, like, we were we it, were targeting, yeah, for yeah. Sure. Like AJ got him on him was just like, all right, I'm gonna drive straight to the middle of the free throw line and pull up on you and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And yeah. likes was draped all over him and it didn't matter because he's yeah. a foot shorter. So the main, main thing I remember from likes though, is that wild drive where he threw the ball up thinking he was going to get a foul yeah. and it missed by like five feet. We come yeah. back down, hit a three, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, their coach actually talked about it during one of those little quick interviews that they're doing, um, you know, about the five point swing there. Um, it was a terrible shot. I mean, you yeah, can't. exactly. How? What do they list? Like, said, did they say they list him at five seven? Because I mean, if he's five seven, Roach looked like Mark Williams standing beside like Muggsy Bogues against him. I'm like, there's no way this dude's five seven. He might be five two. Yeah, he looked tiny out there. He looked Usually, really how tiny. it goes with really short players, they had a couple inches there, so it would not surprise me. Yeah, and he's he's not thick either. Yeah, he's very slight. He probably weighs like one fifty. Maybe, maybe. 140. <laughs> well, you know, let's talk a little bit about kind of, I guess, the themes overall from the weekend. Um, I kind of called it, you know, like how the West was won because we've never done it out there. Um, you know, first, it's just a huge turnaround, right? Like emotionally, psychological. Like I couldn't be more proud of a team. Like we talked about where they stack in terms of some of the other teams that have crossed that, you know, bridge to use case words. But to get here after like that UNC, the senior night let down, the Virginia Tech let down, just from like the fan perspective of how kind of we all felt. Now, there's your eternal optimist everywhere, but I think it really kind of like, you know, it punctured the balloon, so to speak. So those guys probably had to felt the same way. Right. And then they're starting to feel it from the fans, too it would have been really easy for them to lay down and just take that loss to Michigan state, you know, is those a wizard in March, whatever. Um, it's just another bad draw, but to be able to get here after that is just phenomenal, really. Um, you know, and to play good teams to get here, you know, we didn't get Gonzaga, but, 
to play the top, the number one and number two defense in a three day span and to like have no issues. Like our offense is just historic right now. Um, that's probably what's turned it around because I guess we probably should talk a little bit about the bad since we talked about the good. It's probably still the defense, I would say. You know, it's still. And to be, I guess, to clarify, like, I didn't think that we've played bad defense for a lot of these stretches. We're just, teams are just kind of hitting some shots on us, and, and we're kind of conceding the three, which is the right play against the two teams that we've just played. But I feel like, you know, if there's one thing that we need to kind of address, it's probably on that side of the ball. I'm curious kind of what, what y'all's takeaway is with that. I thought the defense against Texas Tech was actually, even though they scored more, I actually thought it was better than Arkansas, at least in the first half against Arkansas. There there were so many breakdowns where they were just getting like dunks at the rim and stuff. And that's the stuff that worries me is like, okay, if you guard a three-point shooter well and he hits a three, whatever, right? Um, There's just, and then there's a few other issues we we could clean up that are like, not even to do with rotations, like live ball turnovers are obviously going to hurt your defense. Um, Offensive rebounding, that's going to hurt your defense. So it's just a host of things. Like, yeah, teams are starting to hit threes against us. You know, since the UNC game, I think uh, 39% is what opponents have shot from three against us, where it was 29% before. We can only have so much control over that. I think, we're like you said, we're doing the right thing to protect the paint at all costs and kind of live with the results a little bit from three. But if we could just eliminate the things that we really can control. And so, yeah, that's the stuff I'm seeing. Just the little, the little things, the details. Yeah. I'm hoping that Arkansas game was not an outlier. Like the rebounding was really pretty good in that, but it had been really bad prior to that. And some of that could have just been Arkansas doesn't have quite the size to match up. But I don't think Arkansas really sent a lot of guys to the board a lot of times. You know, yeah. they they got a couple of them. Um, but it wasn't it was almost like when we played Notre Dame. Like they're they're trying to take us out of transition. So they're just getting back. But I agree with you, Raul. I mean, rebounding and and the turnovers, um, you know, that Texas Tech, that start we like we talked about, I mean, just a couple bad passes, Paulo, you know, not not strong with his dribble where we're giving up, you know, wide open dunk, basically breakaway dunks right off the bat. Um, just being careless with the ball. So it's just weird because we've been so smart in so many other ways, right? Like the way we've been playing, like the decision-making on offense for the most part has been, we've been taking really good shots. Like, you know, Paolo's still putting up a couple questionable shots, but really we've cleaned up the shot selection. We're just taking a ton of layups, getting to the rim. So the fact that we're still just sometimes just having these moments of like why did you think that pass was going to work yeah and it helps too that like mark has really kind of emerged as a uh like he's he's we talked and we, we've already mentioned i think last week or the week before about um early in the season we're not really wanting to get paint touches to like post-ups to mark and it feels like he's finished every single one of the last 10 that he's caught on the block where he's just turned and just some of it it just looks like he's just kind of throwing it up there off the but they're, they're all dropping um kind of wild to you know how well he's playing you know i thought he i know paolo won the the regional mvp mark would have probably had my vote just for what he was doing on both ends i thought it was just um just an incredible you know weekend for him but we haven't talked about and i think it's we definitely should is um the coaching that we've seen this weekend and i thought it was 
probably some of the best that I've seen of K. He was kind of on his feet, engaged the entire time, um, breaking out the zone. Whatever we did in practice last week, let's do that again. You know, like what we need to do, like obviously I'd want the defense to be a bit better, but if we can bring the number one offense by a mile to next weekend too, that would be, <laughs> that would be good. Especially playing in the, what'd you say? We're playing in the Superdome down there, right? Yes, the Superdome. So, you know, um, sometimes offense is a little more harder to come by. It, it's harder hard. to shoot, I think, in the super – and most of, you know, that's what they say in a, in a dome setting, especially on one of these – you know, you're playing on a football field, football stadium that's been converted to play basketball. I mean, there's the sight lines, I guess, for, you know, what you're shooting. is It's a vast open space, you know, so it just makes it tough. Yeah, yeah, depth perception and all that. Um but you know, I thought it was cool too talking about the coaching thing. I don't know if y'all picked up on this, but in case presser, he said that after the UNC game, he changed the way that he was kind of interacting with these guys. And like you saying, like at halftime or in timeouts now, he just kind of comes and they kind of like sit and just kind of settle uh for a second, which to me is really cool because it reminded me that, you know, Dell the week before was talking about his new kind of free throw routine that he's done this year. He's kind of really big into meditation and mindfulness and like what Kate what talking about doing that kind of stuff is very kind of zen, very kind of Buddha. It's, I immediately thought Phil Jackson, like when I heard him talking about that, just like the Zen master, right. Of like, we're going to be out here doing some like Bikram yoga or something in these huddles. And that's just not what you think of with Kay. Um, so for him to kind of reach and pull that button is, you know, I, I didn't think he had much more that's left in him these last few years. It kind of felt like, I'm sure that's not the case. He'd probably be really insulted if I said that. But from the fan perspective, it kind of felt like sometimes we were just rolling the ball out and just kind of content to say, you know, hey, if the game plan works, then we're probably going to win. If not, then play harder. (laughs) That's not the sense that I got this weekend. He was doing like everything he could to get these guys, you know, in the best position. And for it to be his last and for us to get here, seeing him up there cutting those nets was one of the coolest moments of of being a Duke fan for me, because Kay's been the coach my entire life, you know, it, it's up there. Um, hopefully we can go do that one more time. But for me, that was up there. I don't know about you all. The uh, the little clip of him with Mark and – sorry, not Mark uh, – with Dell and Paolo at the end of the game, that was really funny too. Um, they just look really relaxed, you know what I mean? Um, just having some fun. Like, I, I haven't seen – you know, I guess it's easy when you're winning and these are big games to be winning, but I haven't seen this much sort of visible joy from Kay in a while. You know, he just looks like he's kind of having the time of his life. Like he was like grinning like a little kid when Paolo came up and put his arm around him, you know, and then he says, shut up. But it's like, you can tell it's a joke, right? Um, Right, right. And so, yeah, he's just been able to keep them loose. And I think it's translated to the court where you see they have this kind of inner calm, like, even when they're down 10 2, they don't look rattled at all. Yeah. And I think it, you know, I, I'm kind of would be curious too that um, just, you know, my background, but just the psychological piece of all year, Kay has talked about like being very emphatic about it. it's their moment, it's their moment, and, and trying to deflect it off of him. I'm wondering if he struggled to do that a little bit, you know, like if him saying that is kind of one of those kind of self reminders a little bit. And now that all those are gone and this is it for all of us, it's like we're all on the same page, right? Like it literally is the last for all of us now. 
and you know, he could have lost first weekend and it's not going to taint his legacy. He's still going to be the goat. He's still going to have five. He's still going to be there. And so maybe it, it, it is him finally kind of saying, yeah, I can enjoy this one, you know, cause he's talked about those early 90. He's like, I didn't enjoy 91 at all. Really? You know, he was like, I was just so intense and just so kind of like in it that he wasn't really able to kind of really experience it. Um, the way that he is now, I'm sure he looks like he's 50, you know, just out there having a great time, slapping the floor. Um, the fist pump kind of reminded me of the the 2015 when he turned around to Grayson and, and his family saying, you know, we're going to the final four. That, you know, to have that is in his last year. It's, it seems like we might be setting up for destiny a little bit. Don't want to kind of, you know, put it too far out there, but why not us? You, you're going to be there. So hopefully us. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, starting to sink in, you know, got a road trip plan coming up uh thursday friday morning basically um taking the wife you know she's a carolina fan so it's gonna get interesting i would say you know um but just gonna be happy to be there i mean to be honest with you uh we've never seen it happen it came close to happen in 91 um ironically 91 k wins his first title against kansas um could he win his last title against kansas you know, tune mm. in, tune in next week to find out. It's going to be a really interesting buildup, especially if you're in the like North Carolina area, or for sure if you're in the Triangle area. Um, I don't know if we've ever seen a game that's that's had this much anticipation. It, it feels cheap that it's the Final Four, and that feels weird to say that because it's the Final Four, but it feels weird for it to be. It we should almost never be on the same side of the bracket to me, right? Like it should always have been. If this game's going to happen, it's going to be for all of it. Yeah, um, but you know, because it's tough too. And Josh and we we've talked about it. Like the the emotion that you put into that game in a regular season game, right? Every year we do it twice. Um, you normally the next game you turn around, you might have that kind of letdown because you've expent so much uh, energy and emotion on this game. So um, to have it in the semifinals, and if you win, you got to turn around you know, a night later, two nights later and play for the, the national championship. It's going to be tough, but I'm looking forward to it. You got to get here to get beat, right? Yep. Like you got to play to win. Yep. So, I mean, to me, and you know, we're going to come back and do a, a little bit more of a, of in-depth preview, but I think just as a parting shot, my advice to everyone would be to, to not let who's sitting over there across from us distract from like the fact that we're here. You know, it's really, really hard to get here. This is case last year. I'm not taking it for granted. You know, like I'm, I'm hoping that John will get here next year. That'd be great. Right. But it's really, really difficult to get here. Um, we've had some really good teams that hasn't got here. I'm thinking, you know, 2006, 2011, 13, 19, you, know, you could rattle them off. Um, yeah. That's what I was going to say is it just, it's actually weird when you really think about it that Duke and UNC haven't met in the tournament yet. You know, that's just given the number of times each team has been a one seed or a two seed. You know, if you're a one seed, you're favored to come out of your region, or if, if you're seeded right, you should be. Um, and there have been multiple tournaments where both Duke and UNC were one seeds. You know, it's like we could have met in 1998. Um, I think they said that was the last time we were both in the Elite Eight. Right, right, yeah. and then and and then like you mentioned, ninety one, uh, two thousand nineteen, we were both one seeds. Um, 
you know, so there's, it's happened a lot. Uh, 2017, a lot of people picked both of us to make it to the finals. If you remember, because uh, Duke was coming off that ACC tournament run and everybody was like back on the Duke train. And then UNC had been great all year. And then Duke goes and loses in the second round. So something like that always happened, you know, to der- derail one team or the other, right? And just sort of statistically, you would expect this to happen. And the fact that it's happening in Kay's final year when UNC is an eight seed is just unbelievable. Like you couldn't write something like this. It's destiny. Like, you know, that's the cool thing about sports is that like you can get some moments and stories and, and we see it. It's not this like super unique thing, really, when we start to look back, like historically at just certain, even in the last five years, you have Carolina winning in 17 after kind of getting the heartbreak in, in 16, right? You have Virginia winning in 19 after getting beat by a 16 seed the year before. We've seen these kind of stories play out. Um, to be on this side of it, though, feels really good, you know? And so for Duke fans out there, just it's going to be a big game. But, you know, we, the cool thing, the best part to me about this tournament is these five days in between every week, right? Knowing that, like, okay, we get to live to that next weekend when you get to kind of, I don't know how y'all are, but I kind of stop watching it when Duke gets out. I might watch the Final Four, the championship game, but it's the best sporting event to me. And the longer you get to stay in it, the longer I get to watch it. And so it's just, uh, just soak it up. Um, we got a great chance. We're, we're as hot as anyone let's go do it. You know, let's go do it. Um, yeah, there'll be plenty of time to be nervous on the day of the game, you know, don't need to sit and sort of dwell on, um, Carolina for, you know, the next week. So just enjoy it. Yeah. And you know, it's, this is what we play for. This is, you know, for, for Kay to get there. I know I keep saying it, but to get back on the last year is such the epitome of his career. Right. To get to the final four in five different decades, um, just phenomenal, phenomenal to have 13 is we probably don't see that again. You know, we probably don't see anything like that. I'd be really shocked if we did. Um, And if we do, I hope it's John. Right. You know, but yeah, I guess if you all don't have anything else, we can kind of get out of here. We'll come back middle of the week and and talk a little bit more about Carolina, kind of get into what they're doing since we played them last and kind of where we're at and where we stack up. Any any final parting shots from you all? Nothing. <laughs> well, you know, for me, you know, the verve and the strong fate isn't getting any better. Um, so like this is kind of max right now. So, you know, just let's I'm gonna kind of be like JJ, right? I'm gonna be insufferable all week. I'm pretty much just gonna I'm soaking it in. I'm happy to be here and I'm feeling good, feeling confident, you know, and as always, go to Hell Carolina. <laughs>